This is Leadership in Action, and I'm Mark Stiles, your host. Join me as we delve deep into the passions, expertise, and experiences of Boston area innovators. Sponsored by the Boston Chapter of Entrepreneurs Organization, this is Leadership in Action. Hey, folks, welcome back to Leadership in Action. This is your Boston Chapter of EO's podcast. Today's guest is an IT visionary. She started her journey into information technology over 28 years ago. Providing both consulting and training, she has 200 video-based courses available for purchase worldwide. In 1999, she started her own company with the goal to combine great IT support with user functionality. She's been NEO member for under one year. She's the founder and CEO of Sandra Network. Please meet Sandra Patekas. Welcome to the show, Sandra. Thanks, Mark. Glad to be here. Cool. You ready to get right into it? Sure. Let's go. What is a common misconception about leadership, running a business, and or being an entrepreneur to you? Ah, uh, that's easy. Uh, that it is easy. Actually, I guess that is a misconception. <laughs> Um, that I get to make my own schedule and I seem to have endless vacation time. <laughs> so it's easy at the top. Look easy at me. At the top. I'm, I'm at the top. I'm doing right. it all. Absolutely. I stroll in and out when I want, you know, there's, there's no one above me to tell me what to do. And, uh, I guess that's pretty wrong, right? Well, so tell so, me the reality of it then. Well, you know, the reality is I might not make it in the office till, you know, 10, but I've been up since five to hit it, you know, and, and sometimes I'm hitting it because I'm on the treadmill trying to clear my head. And sometimes I've cranking out emails at, you know, 5.15 a.m. And um, there's there's a lot to it. And, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, they think it's great because you don't have a boss. But uh, I have more bosses than anybody, <laughs> right? All my customers are bosses. I consider my employees bosses. You know, I have to account for them. I have to provide them a good working environment. You know, I can I can fire them, but they can fire me by deciding to go somewhere else. So I think the the concept of I have no boss is the furthest from the reality uh, in this world. That's a really interesting concept is having the the employees, your team members are your boss too. I, I like that. I like that a lot. So tell us about your company a little bit. The name of it is interesting. Sandra Network. How did you come up with such yeah. a creative name? Well, you know, when I first started, I didn't really know what I wanted to be when I grew up. So I became SJB Enterprises. Yeah. Well, SJB Enterprises is nothing about what we do. And I spent my entire life going, yes, S is in Sam. B, B as in boy, J, like S, like no one could get the letters. And S. Patakis at SJB was an impossibility. Um, so I decided to rename my company literally over my email address <laughs> because it just wasn't flowing. It just didn't position us. Um, and after a lot of soul searching, one day I looked down and realized that we do security and administration and networking and data and remote assistance. And as an acronym, that spells Sandra. So Sandra is what we do. It happens to also be my name, but it's what we do. I love it. I love it. I love, love, love that. So tell and, us- And for the record, my email address, Sandra at sandranetwork.com. I never have to spell it anymore. I don't have to sound out letters. People remember it. It worked. 
and there's real meaning behind it, which is really, really cool. Tell us about Sandra Network. Like, what do you all do at the Sandra Network? Well, we uh, we fix things. How's that? So I like it. I try to be a very white glove IT support. You know, there's a lot of IT companies out there. Um, there's a place for all of us. You know, you get the little guys that do the home computers. You get the big guys that do the Fortune 500, 5,000 node. You know, there, there's really a lot of play space. But what I consider white glove IT support is a lot of security, a lot of handholding. We do virtually everything for our clients, from the hardware and software to networking, um, all the things, right? But because of the client base, we also, you know, really have to look at the whole thing because our companies can be anywhere from 10 to, let's say, 200. And that means they don't have a full-time IT person. Like, we are the only people that understand. So it's it's really our responsibility to not just reset passwords, but to really give them a foundational IT support experience. So they know that they just can log in and it can work and they don't have to worry about what am I forgetting? Um, and that's really what we're all about. You know, I mean, granted, we do the uh, the standard desktop support, right? And that's what the users see. They have a problem, they call us, they need a password reset, they call us, but behind the scenes, we're doing a whole lot more. So you're an outsourced department for that company, basically. Exactly. So you're giving them guidance. What are we looking at over the next 24 months? We're right here at the beginning of 2023. What are the what what should companies of that size be thinking about? Security. Yeah. I mean, it's so bad out there. Um I always say running an IT company, my little analogy, right? Um, is like having two thousand children in New York City with money hanging out of their pockets unsupervised. That's what it feels like to run an IT company. Um, Things are getting hacked left and right, left and right. Um, I am always at security conferences. You know, the decisions I made for uh, my company and my my customers this year may not be the best idea next year, you know, because technologies change and securities change and methods of attacks change. And it's, uh, you know, the next 24 months is really a, a complete lockdown. Uh, you know, big uh, password vault company where it saves all your passwords and you just need your your master password and they're the best of the best. Um, they just had two major security breaches, you know, and uh, that's leaving all of us to not change a password, but going in and changing 300 of them. <laughs> so it's uh, it, it it's an interesting world to be in. And I think if anyone is looking at anything, you know, people are wondering what computer they should buy. That's almost irrelevant. Uh, Most computers out there will handle most tasks. It's really, where's my data and is it secure? That's got to be everyone's focus. And how do you keep folks comfortable with that? Education and a good sense of humor. Yeah. You know, there's, uh, and there's only so much you can do. I mean, sadly, I can, I can have discussions with my customers and say, you need to do this and it's going to cost you this. And they say, well, we don't want to spend this. And sometimes they just, they just really don't understand, you know, and that's, that's the, probably the, the toughest part of my job is saying you, you have to understand this. Like I'm, 
uh, I tell my customers I'm a lousy salesperson. If I tell you you need it, you need it. I'm not selling you anything. You need it, right? That's that's the challenge. And you know, where does your liability lay when they simply don't take your advice? I mean, do you end up having to fire clients? I have. I fired many clients. Mm-hmm. Many clients. I would imagine because that would keep me up at night if you know you knew that there was potential for breach and they simply weren't taking on your advice that's not a good partnership you know you're not doing right. what you're being asked to do and you know the the challenges and i guess back to the things that people don't think of it's such a liability focused world we live in sadly right. that you know it used to be that i offer people something and they say no and that was the end of it um, now I send them a quote and I make them say no. Like I make them actually decline the quote because I need some documentation. God forbid they say, you never offered me that. And, right. you know, you hate to think that's the world we live in, but but it is. And it's a, it's a challenge. Yeah, because what's going to happen if they get breached, right? They're going to look for every potential person to be responsible as possible. Yeah. So the insurances are getting pretty uh, intense too. We've we've seen a, a huge increase in the types of policies we're buying, but also in the restrictions that they're they're placing on us. Yeah. You know, I'll have conversations with clients and I'll say, you know, you you need, let's say, two-factor authentication, right? We've all been annoyed by that. It pings your cell phone. You put in a code or some form of equivalent. And I've had clients who are um, don't want it. I'm like, you you got to have it. Because honestly, if you get breached and you don't have it, and you should have had it. The insurance company is not going to pay you. Like the, I have cyber insurance doesn't cover it. They don't want to pay either. So they're, they're looking for loopholes. And they're probably representing to the insurance company that they're utilizing two-factor authentication, right? Or multi-factor authentication. So they're oh. going to breach their own contract right then and there. Yeah, right. Although, you know, an interesting story, uh, we're talking about keeping me up at night, and I guess I take things personally and I really absorb them, right? Mm -hmm. There was a potential customer and, uh, you know, we went to many meetings and everything was positive and their IT company wasn't what they wanted it to be. And I did a security audit on them, which I do all the time and it just scours the network and I found that there was no two-factor anywhere and there was nothing encrypted and you know there were all these things i think the report was like 97 pages long wow. of all of the things wrong in their network and of course me i'm like okay so i'm in the, the other it company is out and he came back and he said i talked to my it guy he said he'd do better and that none of that was important oh how now i want you to it? guess <laughs> more than critical now take one guess what industry this particular prospect was in i don't know Finance. insurance oh they sold cyber insurance really they absolutely did cobbler's kid doesn't have shoes right yeah so what i say you know some people just they just don't understand the importance of it you know um it's scary they're like this, this person that sells cyber insurance doesn't understand that when they get compromised and from looking at their network, they will, that they're not going to be covered. 
right? Wow. That's, that's fascinating. Yeah. So as an entrepreneur, you know, who do you share with? Who do you share your fears and, and uh, reservations and future plans with? You know, uh, what a great time to ask that question. My new EO forum. Um, Thank God for them. Right. Because I've never had a place to go. You know, I try to talk to my husband. He's an intelligent man, but he doesn't see things the way I do. He doesn't run an IT company. You know, he works for a big company and follows the rules. Right. right? Um, And you can't share with your employees. And, you know, I have so many friends and I'm so fortunate to have a great support group, but they don't run companies. They're not entrepreneurs. So they, they can't, it's just not good, a good ground. So tell me how the forums become valuable for you. The forum has been amazing. And, you know, for me, one of my first forum experiences is you're just trying to figure it all out is I had one particular problem in the office I was trying to solve and it was, keeping me up at night. The anxiety was high. Like I just, I couldn't figure out the resolution for this. And they said, well, next week we'll, we'll put you on board and we'll, we'll discuss it. And it was amazing because by my second forum meeting, just listening to all the areas, the answer became very clear to me and, and that's no longer an issue. Um, so it really has become super valuable. And, you know, I sometimes have imposter syndrome. Like, oh, what am I going to give to them? And at the end of a forum meetings, you're like, oh, okay, this is good. You know, it's almost like it, it takes you a while to get out of the mentality that you're the only one in this head with those issues. And I, or, love, I, I love the fact that it's a shared experience, right? I'm not going to give you right. advice, Sandra, but I'm going to explain a situation that happened with me that's kind of similar to what you're going through. Yeah. But can we talk about the imposter syndrome a little bit more? Do you feel that <laughs> do you feel that anywhere else beyond the um the forum? Like do you experience like days where you're like, hmm, who do I think I am? Yeah, almost every day. Yeah. And I, I think that's human, yes. right? I would like to say, Tish, I'm a rock star and I know it. And, you know, I guess I do know it. Like I work hard and I I do well by people and whether it's personal or, or business, but I I just think it's human for every single day to at least have a moment where you go, oh, I need to know more about this. Or maybe I'm not as great as I thought I was. Or, um, But I think that's healthy. I think it's humbling. You know, I think um, anyone who thinks they're permanently on top is wrong. So you see it as kind of a positive, right? It keeps you hungry for knowledge. It keeps you working hard to find that perfection as opposed to a negative that's going to cripple you and say, I can't go into this meeting with this client because I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I don't know enough about that. I should have learned more about their business. I should have, I should have, I should have, I don't. But instead of that crippling me, I take that as take a deep breath, step aside, reorder your brain cells. Do that extra research. Yeah. Um, And, you know, there have been many, many times that um, in my career, I mean, I guess it'd be normal to say, you know, I sit in an interview with somebody 
And it could be an employment interview where they're coming to me for a job, or maybe I'm meeting with a potential client. And the first time someone sits across from the table for me and says, I know everything. <laughs> There's not anything I don't know. And I can't count the amount of time, right? No, I'm, I'm the best at that. I've immediately taken you off. <laughs> like you are not the best because no one's the best. Right. You know, we all, we all have something else to know. Do you run into that a lot in your, uh, in your world? I do. I do. I think my favorite line um, is, I know a lot about computers. <laughs> really? I, I always silly think, dude, that's a bad sentence. That's just a bad sentence. <laughs> right. Let's start there. Let's, Let's go back to the there. drunk and white book. So <laughs> tell me, how did you how did you get into this space in the first place? You want the long or the short version? Well, we've got time. I think folks want right. to hear it. Well, there are two paths. So there's one path that led me to IT, and then there's another path that led me to owning a company. Love it. So the path that led me to IT, I think, is more entertaining than anything. Cool. But I like to tell it because anyone who's new in their career, who's trying to figure out their career, who has kids who are freaking out over what they should study in college, I like the story because hopefully it'll be relevant. Um I grew up in small town Maine and small town New Hampshire, and it was a pretty sheltered life back then, right? So when it came time to to do something, I I wasn't I didn't know what there what there was to do, but I did know that I'd worked retail quite a bit. Um, I was an assistant manager at the Gap by my senior year in high school, cool. and I thought, oh, I'll study fashion because I didn't know what else to study. So I went to school for fashion. I want you to know I'm a very well-dressed geek. That's <laughs> what I always tell people. Um, I went to Burdett School for Fashion Merchandising in Boston, and I was going to be a buyer you know, for some company, and I really liked the Gap, so that was my inspiration. And when I did the interview, um, they said, well, you know, you got to go to the executive training program to get there, but it just closed. It's not available for another year. And I'll still remember the name, the HR manager, Jean Felzone. I haven't talked to her in 30 plus years, which is hard to believe because I'm only 27. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> um, she said, you'll be good at that, but I really think you'll be a good trainer. Would you mind being an in-store trainer and working in HR while we wait for the executive training program to open? And in that very sentence, I can still remember the sentence. I can almost see what she's wearing. That was what changed the course. Interesting. Because I learned that I was very good at training people. I enjoyed it. I could somehow connect to them. Um, and it was a great experience. But back to being bored, you know, people say, well, how does this work? And I'm thinking, I don't know. There's like a wire. Remember the big cash registers? They were like, yeah. You know, small car, big. <laughs> yes. Um, I was like, how does all that data go down the wire? Where does it go? Like, how do people know? It's so, like, it, it was fascinating to me. Cool. And I left there and I worked for a software company and then I traveled the company or traveled the country teaching software. Um, so I realized uh, also at that moment that I hate the fashion industry. Interesting. <laughs> I could care less. Isn't it I'd wild rather... how the isn't it wild how you just follow the leaf in the wind and let it take you where it may? I would rather be in my bean boots up in Maine 
in front of a campfire. Like I am so far removed from caring what the next fashion is. That's awesome. So you that know? took you to the right place though, which was first software and then from Training. software. Yeah. Yeah. So the next story is uh, I spent a couple of years um, training and traveling the country. I was teaching, I think it was close to 200 classes. And wow. you know, 200 classes is, you know, intro, intermediate, and advanced of program A, intro, intermediate, advanced of program B, you know. Um, and I was doing well. And, you know, back then, people were just getting their first computers on the desk. Wow. You know, like not everyone had one. Can you right. imagine there was a time? <laughs> yes, uh, I can. I, I remember spending three months at Fleet Bank in Rochester, New York, putting computers on people's desks and teaching them what a mouse was. And they were clicking in midair. And, so but uh, um, the long and the short of it is, you know, we'd get evalu evaluated every day in paper. And on a score of one to 10, my average eval was a 9.9. .9. Nice. And uh, I was already bored. Like I needed to follow that wire and figure out the rest of the stuff. Like word perfect was great, but there's enough is enough, right? And I went to the boss and uh, I said, well, you know, Dan, I, I love doing this. I love training, but I'm bored and I really want to get into networking. And at the time we had two male instructors and they were teaching networking. And again, we're way back at the beginning of networking, like two cables and two computers. And he said to me, in all seriousness, he said, you're doing great just where you are. Why don't you leave that for the boys? What? Yep. That, what, that year, actually, what, year, what year are we talking about? Is this before Y2K? Ah, uh, yeah. So this must have been 95-ish. I got to do leave some math. Boys. So, so is it a male-dominated industry? It well, you know, it still is. Okay. It still is, I hate to say. But back then, you know, there were a lot of female instructors, but they they were teaching the word processing in the Excel. Like you didn't see them in the technical realm teaching programming or back then advanced DOS was considered technical, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Um Novell just came out with their networking product. We still had Dell Land um, um Digital landman, deck landman, I can't even say it all anymore. So the bottom line is um, there just weren't a lot of women in the technical space. And leave it for the boys, they're doing just fine. Was like. Didn't sit well? No, no, it really didn't. <laughs> I was like. And the good news is, you know, there's a lot of women warriors out there and there should be right yeah. fighting to get up there. But it didn't even occur to me that that was part of the issue because it didn't even occur to me that I wasn't capable. Like, I just wasn't brought up that way. I wasn't brought up in male, female, leave that for the boy. Yes. So, I mean, I did what, you know, every other timid woman in the world would do. I've never been called timid, by the way. Um, I quit. Nice. And I went somewhere else and I got all sorts of engineering degrees and MCSE and Novell certifications. And I spent the next two years teaching engineering, you know, how to put these networks together. How much sharp elbows did you have to throw around at that point? Was there still the concept of, eh, this is kind of a boys game? You know, there wasn't as much with the boys game, but what I found interesting is in teaching the classes, 
because I knew it, my evals were good, so I was no longer questioned there. Um, there weren't a lot of women in the classes themselves. There just weren't. Why do you think that is? Um, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, they were just all men in the classes. I mean, it, it, it wasn't that they weren't invited or not allowed or, you know, there's a woman teaching the class, but they just weren't there. And you say st- the industry is still short on women leaders? Absolutely. I would love to see more women in networking and IT. You know, as an employer, I would love to have a staff of female engineers. Not female only, but like to have a mix. But they don't apply. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I don't know. Um, you know, I've I historically most of my engineers are men, and that's not because I choose it. It's because there's no there are no resumes. That's and really it baffles me. That's really interesting. So it sounds like there's a huge passion of of teaching. Tell me about your 200 video based courses. I saw that in the intro and was like, whoa, that's that's a lot of to content. Yeah. So what I started to do is when I was traveling the country teaching MCSD courses, and MCSE is just your Microsoft Certified Systems Engineer. Yeah. I think they've redone the acronyms a few times, but I don't I don't keep up my certs anymore because I've got a company to run. <laughs> so yeah. um so as I started teaching them, I was contacted by a company who produces training videos. And they wanted me to do, you know, one quick training video and they were given my name. So I went in and that was successful. And it ended up that I ended up spending 50% of my time in a recording studio recording all of these. And, you know, I've got some of the easy one day type courses, but I also did an entire MCSE track, which was everything from networking 101 to the architecture to security to building the servers that give us email to and they're all in there and i would go in and i would film all those courses so one of each one of those courses about a 40 40 hour course wow some of them might be a little they might be 24 hours but collectively there's 18 of them that make up um the whole MCSE program. So you've got all the application training out there. You've got all the MCSE-based training. Um, they're still out there selling them. They're still being used in different places. And uh, recently, I went back into the studio on my own accord, mm. and I recorded all the Microsoft 365 courses. Cool. And I wrote them, and I wrote them as I thought my customers would want to consume them. So you're you're creating the content for your consumers to help educate the consumer themselves. Right. Whether they listen to it or not, that's up to them, right? It's up to them. <laughs> but you're delivering it. Are you able to monetize those? I do and I don't. Um, if I had more time, back to the entrepreneur's issues, yeah. right? Like how many places can you can you go? Yeah. Technically, if someone wanted to buy them from us, they absolutely could. They're out there, you can buy them. Um, what I do just because I like to take care of my customers is if we're managing your office 365 tenants, right? And that's part of our responsibility to, to take care of that for you. I send the training to all of their employees so that they can take it, you know, because for me to successfully support a company with IT, I think that we have to have some sort of education, you know? Yeah. 
I don't sell you a tool and walk away. I want to make sure that, yeah, your employees have this, but they should know how to use it. Like it helps everybody. <laughs> right. Open the curtain up, right? Let's open right. the knowledge for everybody, right? We we tend to do that in my business too. Like educate the consumer so that the experience is better, right? Why hide things, right? I see that with some IT people is that they're magicians, right? So we're going to keep all of the secret recipes and we're going to throw some pixie dust at you and you're going to be in awe, right? I love right. the fact that you're sharing with the with the clients. That's, I love that. It's more yep. of an er- experiential selling and an experiential relationship than than that vendor vendee, which I always say right. the V word is such an awful, awful word. We like partnerships, not vendor <laughs> vendee. Vendor vendee. No, you know, I meet with all my customers on a regular basis. You know, some of them it's weekly, some of them it's quarterly. Let's cool. just, how are things going for you? How are things going for us? I look at all the help desk tickets. Geez, it looks like everyone's calling about this. Why don't we have a conversation about helping your users understand this, you know? Um, I'm bringing on a new customer. We're in the middle of onboarding them right now, and they've been paying for 365 for years, but the company that sold it to them just sold it to them, set up their email and walked away. <laughs> it's like, and they have two servers co-located, which means they're basically renting the servers for a lot of money every month. And I looked at the servers, and I looked at the 365, and I said, you don't even need these servers. You just need to know the tools that you're paying for. Uh, put this here. You must see that a lot when you're see it all the time. taking over new relationships. How do you find those new relationships? How do they find you? You know, I do a ton of marketing, which I can say is highly unsuccessful. <laughs> <laughs> do you track it? I do track it. Um, but really, it's a lot of networking. You know, a lot of my business comes in from relationships. Uh, I'd love to say that my marketing team is tilling it and it's bringing in all these great leads. Uh, I am the marketing team. Mm. The challenge of being an entrepreneur, I'm also the janitor. Um, <laughs> so today I put away snacks in the snack room. So, you know, <laughs> the glory is endless. I love it. So tell me, Sandra, when you're not working and and helping clients, what do you do for fun? I guess my, my two favorites. Uh, I'm a huge gardener for one. Cool. Huge. Uh, so in the summer, I've got this big raised bed garden. I'm building a new greenhouse. Uh, but in the winter, uh, much to my husband's dismay, I just bought this giant hydroponic gardening system. Cool. And it's on a light schedule that lights up the whole house like a spaceship. And uh, until the plants grow, it just looks like a bunch of PVC tubes. So he's relatively unimpressed at the decor. But uh that's, That's my awesome. first passion. Um, and the other thing is really anything Maine. You know, I, uh, I'm i here in the Boston area and I can dress up and go to work like the rest of them, but I'm a secret redneck and I love it. And I'm in Maine in my, my bean boots and my flannel and I love to cook. So I'll bring the best of all the foods and the best bourbon and the best wine. And I sit in the woods in the middle of nowhere secret. and enjoy it. Secret redneck. I love it. I love that. <laughs> so the country music, little whiskey, what else we got? All the way through Guitar. it. It's all there. It's all I there. It. I have uh, I have a couple four-wheelers. One of them is affectionately called the Mobile. So the Mobile. I love it. 
So uh, I'm in there with the dog. I have a uh, 80 pound Siberian, Siberian Husky and he goes everywhere with me. So uh, I'm here to say that my four wheeler can hold uh, a couple women, two bottles of wine and a Husky. Oh, that is, that is so <laughs> much fun. That is so much fun. Sandra, I appreciate you sharing your stories with us. It's, uh, it's enlightening. Um, let me ask you this though. Where's sure. the future of IT? Are we seeing blockchain anywhere in the security piece? Absolutely. And, you know, I would like to say it's going to be blockchain. It's going to be this. It's going to be that. But I think that security changes almost every single day. Mm -hmm. You know, the unbelievable, perfect security answer yesterday isn't working today. Right. So it's hard to be that specific. And anyone who is completely specific is kind of like telling me, you know, everything. Yeah. I don't think that's the case. Uh, you know, I spend my career studying security, studying the patches, studying the software tools, studying. Uh, I've got peer groups outside of EO. That's all MSPs. We all do the exact same thing. And we meet in a boardroom once a month and cool. we talk about stuff. And, you know, it's like, wow, this is the greatest tool. We've got to do this. And then, wow, okay, so that was compromised. Let's think about it again. So security layers, you know, it's not blockchain. It's just, it's layers upon layers upon layers of making sure everything is set. I love it. It's got to be a constant dance, I would imagine. It is. It's a crazy dance. No one likes to see the dance. No. <laughs> so you protect them from it. You protect them, you from, protect them from it. I love yeah. it. You know, again, security, blockchain. Um, there are so many levels of security that I could send you a 10-page document on just all the different things that you have to look at for your network alone. Right. And each one of those things change by the day. So it's you know, not antivirus. It's not encryption. It's not. It's all of them. Does blockchain solve for that, though? It can. Yeah. It can. And, you know, I don't like answering that question specifically because it's not the full answer, right? right? And I'm careful to say, is it important? Yes. Is it the answer? Not at all. It's like someone saying antivirus is the answer. Yeah, you're, my computer is protected. That's, that's, yes, it is in one layer. Right. That makes sense. Sandra, if someone were to want to connect with you or maybe work with you, how would they best get in touch with you? Well, as we now know, my email address is very, very easy. <laughs> Sandra at sandranetwork.com. Love it. Um, and if you want a little sense of IT education and entertainment, because I try not to make it so dry, uh, we have obviously a website of sandranetwork.com, but we have a Facebook page. You can find me on LinkedIn. And we try to post some content up there with some little security tips and tricks. All with the same handle, Sandra Network. All at the same handle of Sandra Network. That makes it easy, right? So go to any place you would seek somebody and punch in right. Sandra Network. You heard it, you folks. Got it. Well, Sandra, thank you for sharing. And thank you for being willing to come on the show and tell your story because it's an important one. And I want to... I want to applaud you and, and let you know how gracious we are and how much we appreciate you doing that. 
Well, I appreciate talking to you. It's been fun. Folks, thank you. This has been another exciting episode of Leadership in Action. Hopefully you learned something, you laughed a little bit, and you want to share it with somebody because maybe you thought of somebody. And go ahead and forward it or post it right to your social platforms and reshare it for the world. We would really appreciate that. Again, Sandra, thank you for joining our EO Boston chapter podcast called Leadership in Action. Thank you very much. Folks, we'll see you next time. Leadership in Action is sponsored by the Boston chapter of the Entrepreneurs Organization. As the world's only peer-to-peer network exclusively for entrepreneurs, EO helps transform the lives of those who transform the world.